Last week, um, I introduced a series of messages by noting that much of Christ's teaching uh, was not marked by deep scholarly or theological dissertation. Instead, oftentimes, when he really wanted to get a point across to his listeners, he told them a simple story. These stories are commonly referred to as parables, a short, fictitious story that illustrates a moral attitude or religious principle. Communicating through the use of word pictures, using common everyday items that are familiar to the listeners. Over the course of the summer, we're going to look at a variety of Jesus' teaching from parables, uh, revisit, unpack uh, some of the familiar stories that Jesus told. As I indicated last week, um, even though 2,000 plus years have passed, it's amazing how these word pictures and the principles they convey are still incredibly relevant for us today. Today we're going to look at one of the better known stories. I'm calling it, Look, a Farmer. And it comes from Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. So again, just get a picture. Wherever he was staying, he leaves where he's staying, and he makes his way to the lakeside. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So Jesus, in his divine wisdom, what he's done, have any of you ever noticed how sound carries on the lake? Huh? You know, you're out on the lake and you hear people on shore, or you're on shore and you hear people on the lake thinking they're whispering and it sounds like they're right in your yard. Uh, sometimes that can be embarrassing. But anyway... Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat. So he creates, he's got this huge crowd, and he creates a natural amphitheater so that people can hear what he has to say. So get that image in your mind. We're talking about word pictures, and we're going to use several today. So you got this picture. Jesus is sitting in a boat looking towards shore, and the people are lining the shores because they want to hear what he has to say. Then he told them many things in parables. All right, so again, that whole idea of parables, he's going to tell them a variety of stories. And he starts with this one. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. So, I want to talk about this parable a bit. It's often called the parable of the sower, or others refer to it as the parable of the soils. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm going to start today... And then we're going to take a couple week break, and I'm going to come back and finish it on June 30th. Three key elements to this story. The sower, or the farmer, the seed, and the soil. Typically, preachers tend to focus more on the soil, and we will get to that eventually. But today, I want us to think about this idea of, look, a farmer. I'm going to pause right here as we talk about word pictures. Is there anyone, when I say look a farmer, is there anyone who has no clue what a farmer is? Because we have Spence Farmer right back there and that'll help, alright? If you have no clue, look, but most all of us when we say look a farmer, perhaps even a specific individual comes to mind. 
I had an uncle, I'm, I had a lot of farmers in my family, but Uncle Kenny comes to mind to me. Uh, uncle Kenny was a farmer. And he, that image comes to mind, his Robin Hill farm, and I, I just picture, had lots of fond memories of the farm. What, what I want to emphasize is the same was true for the people who were listening to Jesus that day by the lake. When Jesus said, a farmer, a man went out to sow, everybody there got it. They had a picture in their mind of what he was talking about. It's interesting that in the King James Version, it says Jesus sitting or standing in, or sitting in the boat, people gathered around. He said, behold, a farmer, which would to me would suggest, look, a farmer. Perhaps there was even someone in the distance within eye visual range that was actually planting. And Jesus seized that opportunity and said, behold, a sower. Everybody looks, yep, there's a sower. I know what he's talking about. So understand, when he uses these image, they knew what he was talking about. And what I read to you, the first part, is him telling the story. Later on, when we come back to unpack this story more, we'll get into it, because while people understood what he was talking about when he said, look, a farmer, they didn't understand the point he was making. And so after he told the story, the disciples pulled him aside and said, uh, we get farmer, we don't understand what you were saying. And he unpacks that for him, and that's what we're going to come back to on, on June 30th. But we're going to look at a couple things that lead up to that before we get there. Jesus uses the familiar concept of a farmer sowing his seed to teach his listeners something about their responsibility to receive the message of God. And he also uses it to teach them something about their responsibility to spread the message of God. So when he's talking about sowing seed, he's wanting them and he's wanting us to grasp we have to receive what he sows and we have to sow what we receive or plant the seed that he has brought about in our lives. So we're going to start today by looking at the sower or the farmer. And I'm going to cover a few things quickly with regard to what that means. The, the whole idea when he said, look, a farmer, look, somebody's out planting seed. What can we take away from that? The first thing I would have us take away is this farmer, the sower, paid the price in order to have seed to plant. He wasn't out there with an empty sack. He had to have something to plant. Now, he probably... I think it's reasonable to deduce. He had two options. He could go buy seed, but in all probability, he actually set aside some seed from his previous harvest. He prepared it so that it could be stored until it was time to plant. He saved it. He protected it until it was time to plant again. If Jesus is telling this story because he expects his listeners, not just those seated by the lake that day, but us, as we hear this same story, he tells the story because he expects his listeners to be sowers, then 
you and I have a responsibility to make sure that we too have seed to sow. And that's what I want you to pause and think about. Do I have anything to sow to spread the message that Jesus wants spread? The starting point in my mind is a real personal life-changing love relationship with Christ. If you are living in relationship with Christ, if you've entered into that friendship with him, regardless of your level of experience, you have seed to sow. It's just a fact. You may not feel confident, but you have seed to sow. So when he says, look, a sower, he's looking at us. Understanding his word. You're here today, you're hearing his word, which means you're receiving seed. Understanding his word, receiving teaching, reading, studying, listening, serving. That's all putting seed in the sack for you to then sow. Another thing about this sower is he knew when and how to plant. I'm not a farmer. I've never been a farmer. Um, Never going to be a farmer. But I know enough about farming to understand that a good farmer understands the optimum times and methods to plant. Even if you've paid the price to have seed, but you plant it foolishly, you will fail. You will see at the very best a minimal harvest. So the sower in this story knew when and he knew how to plant. The same is true if we are sowing the message of Christ. There are times that people are more receptive to having a spiritual conversation with us than others. True? Why else would church be fuller on Christmas and Easter? I'm just saying. The reality is, if we are going to plant or sow the seed God has put in our hearts, we need to understand that there are times people are more open. I don't do copious amounts of hospital visitation, and anymore, some of you old-timers, remember back when hospital rooms were not private, and there would be at least one other person in your room? Sometimes, I remember Dinah was in the hospital one time. I mean, she was in a, it was a ward, open six people in there. I mean, you can have church in there. <laughs> you may have different experience, and it's a different world than back in the day. But I have never been visiting someone in the hospital on purpose for a reason and turned to the person in the other bed and said, would you mind if I prayed with you and had them say, oh, my goodness, no, get out of here. There are times people are a little more receptive to spiritual input than others. Times of personal crisis, times of sickness, times of uncertainty, the death of someone they love, a change in their family status. There are times people are more receptive. Receptive. That's probably when we need to sow. Again, some of you old-timers will remember back in the day 
the first Sunday after September 11th, 2001, churches everywhere in the United States were packed. There were spontaneous prayer meetings, including one here in the week between the attack and that first Sunday. There are times that people are more receptive. And a wise farmer understands that. They also understand different approaches for different circumstances and situations. Sower understands the importance of soil preparation. Not too wet, not too dry, not too cold, just right. Within the context of relationship, people are more receptive to sowing seeds of God's message. With a patient attitude, people are more receptive. With a degree of sensitivity versus trying to cram something down someone's throat, people are more receptive. The sower understands the importance of preparing the soil if we're sowing the message of God. It's God's message. Who better to prepare the soil than God? One of the favorite preacher quotes, I have no idea who said it first, but we've all said it. Talk to God about a man before you talk to a man about God. A sower understands that, if they're to be effective. A sower, if they're effective, the one Jesus referenced, had cultivated the experience to understand the mechanics of planting. In that situation, it was most typically somebody with a sack across their shoulder broadcasting seed by hand. He understood through experience how much coverage he needed. He understood he needed to make allowance for the wind. All right? Throwing seed into the wind, it's not going to be terribly effective. He understood that. He understood that some areas of his field that had more shade needed one thing. Others that were more direct sun needed something different. He understood the importance of how you plant on the hills and how you plant in the valleys. If we are going to be effective in sowing the message of God, we need to understand the ground that we sow to. First Peter chapter, chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Wow. Be ready. I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but um, you may have noticed I wear T-shirts as much as I can possibly get away with. All right. And they all say stuff on them. But when I put them on, I very quickly forget what they say. So when other people read them and they make comments to me about what my shirt says, I don't understand what they're talking about. I, I had a situation recently at Lowe's. Bunny trail, I'll confess it. All right. I'm checking out, and the guy says to me, you know they have a good drive-in in cold water. Why are you telling me this? I don't care. I mean, cold water's a nice place. I thought he was talking about the drive-in movie theater down there. All right? I had a Clyde's drive-in from the UP t-shirt on. 
He's talking to me about driving restaurants. And I'm clueless. I say that. We need to be prepared when people ask. So I understand you go to church. Why do you do that? When you're wearing something that says Caring Community Church on it, and they ask about it, friends, that's a divine appointment. All right? When you're wearing something that, that has some statement of faith. Again, I wear a lot of Caring Community stuff, and Christ-centered, family-focused, and I'm walking across the shooting range, and somebody says, Wow, that's really cool. I, I thought they were talking about me. But no, they read what my shirt said. And we had a chance to shift from talking about shooting to talking about why I wear that shirt. Friends, understand, we all need to be prepared to give an answer when somebody asks. The soil's prepared by their asking. The sower, he acted upon his knowledge his experience, and his preparation. I know I read it in a hurry because I talk fast when I get excited. Verse 3, chapter 13. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Friends, he had seed. He had knowledge. He had preparation, so he acted. If we've entered into a real, personal, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, if in our own words, not Pastor Steve's words, not fancy words, our own words, maybe you use fancy words, I don't, but if in our own words we can say, you know what, I can't even explain all of it, but Jesus made a difference in my life then we have seed to sow. I'm not perfect, but I've been changed, and I'm still being changed. Imagine this story if Jesus said, look, a farmer, he's been carrying around that seed in his pack for two decades, and there it sits, rotten, nasty, moldy seed that is now worthless. He acted upon his knowledge and experience and preparation. All of that would have been for naught if he hadn't actually scattered the seed. The story goes on, and it tells us that he broadcast to the entire field. Now, if you're somewhat like I am, who anybody else watch a movie and pick it apart because they're doing stuff that's not right? Yeah, okay. I mean, if if you're that kind of person, like Angelina and myself... um, (laughs) Does anybody else hear the story and say, well, why did he just not plant on the rocks? Makes sense to me. Why did he just not plant on the path? Why would you put seed on the path? He broadcast to the entire field. Certainly, some portions of that field were going to be more responsive than others. But you and I should strive to live in a fashion that everyone we encounter, everyone who watches us from a distance, everyone who follows us on social media, everyone who sees us up close and personal is exposed to God's seed flowing through us. Even if it's stinky, nasty, rocky soil, 
even if it's hard-packed path, we need to be willing to let our seed fall on them. Because just maybe God will do something with it. The other part of sowing to the whole field is there are parts of my field, my circle of influence, that you will never touch. There are parts of your field, your circle of influence, that perhaps no one else in this room will touch. Am I sowing to the whole field? Then this is the, this is the, let's pick a bone with God here, huh? He did his part and left the results to God. His responsibility was to sow the seed. And what happened from there was up to God. Uh, Some of you know, sowing the seed is not exactly my strength. But if I do sow it, I think I have a right to demand that God give me results. (laughs) We haven't come to an agreement on that yet. We have, I just give up. He did his part and left the results to God. John 6, No one can come to the Father and come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. You sow the seed. You sow the seed. You sow the seed. And God will decide what happens with it. Our insecurity or our intense desire for someone to respond may prompt us to lose sight of the fact that sowing is ours and harvesting is God's. Now, friends, understand, this does not give us license to be complacent. Once we sow that seed, just like any farmer we know, you're praying for rain, for that seed to germinate. You're praying for that seed to be protected from the turkeys picking through your field. You're praying for that seed to get just the right amount of sunlight just the right amount of warmth. You're praying for that seed to grow, even if you don't see nothing happening. How many of us have been there? I planted grass seed six weeks ago. Still nothing's happened. I still check, even though I know the seed was probably no good. I keep checking. Pray for a harvest. Pray for a harvest. Replant when you see the need or see the opportunity. Isaiah 55 puts it this way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Sometimes I feel like that's addressed to me personally. Anybody else, huh? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Even if Steve Schaaf doesn't see it, God's word does what God determines for it to do. 
and then the promise. Matthew 13, verse 8, the last verse I read earlier. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. 160 or 30 times what was sown. There will be a harvest. There will be a harvest. And the sower that Jesus referenced got that. He understood. I plant. I do my part. I prepare. And God brings the harvest. So that's the sower. I want to talk briefly about the seed. Um, Some of you know Todd's dad, Lynn. Um, He's even more of a character than Todd is. And I remember he was fond of telling a story. I think it was a lie, but he told it as if it was true. Um, I remember him, because it's hilarious. I remember him telling a story as a child about planting bird seed and being disappointed that no birds grew. <laughs> and doesn't it make sense? Bird seed. You plant flowers, you plant flower seed, you expect flowers to grow. You plant bird seed, why would you not expect birds to grow? Um, I say that because there are different types of seed. There's seed like the grass seed I planted this spring that has sat on my shelf for a really long time unprotected. I would call that sterile, worthless seed. There are weed seeds that grow wonderfully, but you don't want them. I'm good with those. There's living seed that produces a healthy, vital crop. What am I planting? What am I planting? As a sower, if we want to see a harvest of righteousness for the kingdom of God, then our seed matters. And we have to get that, friends. Consider with me briefly. Our words as seed. Day in and day out. Good times and bad times. Do I consistently speak words of life and affirmation and encouragement? Do I consistently speak words that honor Christ? And even if I'm not preaching to them, they point them to Him. My words as seed. Something to think about. As I, as I prayed in the prayer room this morning with, with Pat and Mike, I, I thought about how we have a great capacity to compartmentalize our lives. And sometimes our words in one compartment are very different from our words in other compartments. That's like picking parts of our field and saying, I'm going to put good seed here, but over here I don't care if I put good seed. It shouldn't work that way, folks. My words, my words as seed. Words that honor Christ. Point others to him. My deeds as seed is the seeds of my deeds matching the seeds of my word and matching the seed of his word. The old walk and the talk. Good times, not so good times. James puts it this way. (laughs) 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue are their magic fingers. Um, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pretty simple. My deeds as seed. What kind of seed do I plant every day by the way I act? My life as seed. Everything that I do, every interaction that I have, could be used by God to plant seed. John chapter 12. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. Excuse me, many seeds. My life used by Him to produce many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. In Romans chapter 12, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. As I said last week, the parables are simple stories with sobering realities. God has called us to be sowers, and he's given us the opportunity to have seed to sow. Am I sowing? And what type of seed? Simple question. Pray with me. Father, what a thought to look across the field and see someone with a sack across their shoulder scattering seed with an expectation of a harvest. And to realize Jesus took that simple image and cast a vision for all of us. To receive that seed and be transformed by it and then to allow that transformation to give us the means and the opportunity and the motive to sow seed that touches others. So, Father, I pray that you would stir in each heart here, allow us to receive the prompting from you as far as what we do with the seed you have offered us. And have we received it, and are we sowing it? Thank you, Jesus. Amen.